and welcome back to Jane Ross Talk Shit. Uh, this is a special intro just to let you know uh, what's the deal with this episode. So Jay and I actually recorded this before our SAG coverage, uh, but because of the way it was done, uh, we thought it would be nice to have the SAG stuff early so it was still kind of timely, and then we could get around to this since we talk a lot about movies, TV shows, and things that you can still check out. So... Uh, just a warning, this episode ends very, very abruptly, but, uh, otherwise it's a strong episode. We got some talk about the X-Files revival, uh, the movies Sisters, Spectre, and Hateful Eight, uh, and just some updates from our lives. So, uh, thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Jane Ross Talk Shit. I'm Ross. I'm Jay. And we have a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, uh, we got shit to do. Yeah, let's get to work. Uh, yeah, man, we're all about it. <laughs> Very serious this week. This is pro- this is uh, procrast. No, what's the what's the opposite of procrastination? Productive. <laughs> Very productive. Uh, a lot of movie stuff to talk about. You've just seen a lot of movies lately. Yeah, so. uh, which I'm very productive at being not productive. Right, like it's it's the laziest way you can be productive. You're damn right, and but, I'm proud of it. Yeah. Is it the only thing I missed? I missed Krampus. Oh, uh, yeah, we saw that. You Ruben did? And I saw Was it. that any good? Was it worth it? It's all right. Okay. Like, it's, it's entertaining. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I didn't expect it to be, like, anything amazing. No, uh, you're okay. Yeah, okay. You'll be all right. Okay, But, cool. uh, first, uh, what's been new in your life? You've been doing some stand-up? That's it. Stand-up, and that's, uh, f- a friend of mine that I work with wants to do, uh, a sketch comedy stuff, so he's having yeah. me write for him. Cool. And uh, and my buddy, G- did you meet Jake Breslauer? I don't think so. All right, well, he's like the head writer. He's going to yeah. organize the team. I think you mentioned that. You're like, um, hey, if you have anything, yeah, <laughs> any if ideas. Any, if you have any ideas, please. Cool. By all means. Cool. So, uh, um, yeah, so we're going to get that, hopefully start shooting in April. Sweet. And hopefully make some money, because... Uh, He's like the guy who wants to do it. Like he's just like he wants to be a producer, and he's got he's got a lot of money, friends with money. So we're gonna actually have production value. That's amazing. Which is yeah. Which is uh, which I don't know what to I'm do. I'm used to that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm like even when I'm writing, I'm usually like I can't shoot this. Our, this is shit. Our SAG sanctioned uh, project was using just a bunch of equipment I have lying around my place. Yeah. So. I mean, we made that for twenty dollars. Yeah. And some food. Yeah. And so, and really, in all fairness, I didn't need to spend all twenty dollars, because I spent it all on the fake blood. Right. Yeah. And really, we only needed like five dollars worth of that shit. Well, if we go back, all the equipment costs a lot when I got it, but then it was just my own stuff. That's fair. So, but you were gonna buy that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I've been slowly accumulating. Too late. It, it, yeah. I'm still getting more. Reba got me a dolly recently, nice. so we can do what? like moving shots and stuff. What? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Getting fancy. But, uh... Fuck yeah. So, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, if you want to meet my friend Ben, he might need people to shoot shit. That'd be cool. So, if you yeah. want to, like, do shit on the weekends or whatever. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, a bunch of stand-up. You said some some hits, some misses, just, uh... Yeah, yeah, uh... I, I, I copped out. I bitched out at my <laughs> show on Flappers, because I was going to talk about how I shit. Uh-huh. And, uh... But then people were eating, and I, I got all self-conscious, so... Uh-huh. I learned, just, just be that asshole. That's just... <laughs> Yeah, Just, you, yeah. You go to a comedy club, you're gonna hear hear about shitting at some point. Yeah, something. <laughs> shitting coming, you know. Whatever. Yeah, just any bodily function. Yeah, is pretty much. Come up. Just, just, just comes with the territory. Uh huh. You just have to make those jokes even that much better. Right. That's what you gotta do. Yeah. And then I did the same bit word for word for an all black crowd uh-huh. and an all white crowd, and it worked better for the all black crowd. Much better. It huh? was interesting. <laughs> and uh, well, I learned a lot of what like like different crowds want mm-hmm. and like the all black crowd because there was this dude that went up before me his name's Michael Gout I've seen him a bunch uh-huh. and he's just like the most hateful individual ever <laughs> like he just goes up there and does his best Michael Richards impersonation <laughs> like he's just like he went up there and like and like that's the joke I led with I was just like man this is a cool open mic we had some spoken word mm-hmm. we had some music we had somebody doing a Michael and Richard's impersonation and <laughs> fucking Kramer over here because like he just comes up he goes I'm tired of being nice I'm tired of being nice Asians can't see and we're like what is there a joke there <laughs> yeah, there, there a, wasn't it was is, just no just Asians can't see 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, drive down there and just fucking just can't see. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's like this... That's that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not very good. No, he's awful. <laughs> he's just a terrible. He's awful. Guy. And like no, I'm the only guy that's like seen him around. Yeah. You could see everybody else was like, and I was like, wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to piss people off. Yeah. How does he get booked then? No, it's just an open mic. Oh, you oh, just sign right. up. Open you just mic. pay. That's right. One item minimum. <laughs> and like that's what people like. That's the problem with open mics is that anybody can do it. So yeah. I see so many. Com- I guess we'll call them comics just so I don't have to explain it. Yeah. It's, uh, they don't, it's like, did you even attempt to write a joke? <laughs> it's just like, hey, am I, aren't I insightful? <laughs> right. No, or in his case, well, I hate everything. Everybody deserves to die. It's like, that's really the hard part about joke writing. Not, not just writing a joke, but like, you get the observation, but you have to find a way to make that funny yeah. aside from just pointing it out. Yeah, and that's what all people do is just because it's easy. It's easy yeah. to just point them out and they hope it hits. Yeah. Sometimes it does. If you make like a weird assumption, but then you have to like, it's, you know, like, for instance, like I just had like a weird thought. I guess it was a joke. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not really a setup punchy, but I have a, I just had this weird, I was at work the other day and they were playing house music. I was like, I think house music is just made for people who want to be hung over while they're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's just like, it was just like a weird observation that I had. But that is a joke. It's okay. still playing with expectations within that. For sure. Like, it, you're, it's putting your spin on it with the... Yeah. Yeah, the last part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hung over while drunk. It's a good way of putting the feeling... Of just of how awful music. the music yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Help okay, for sure. That's good. Because yeah, because yeah, it just came to me. It didn't really, like I didn't sit down and write that. Yeah, it was just like it was just a basic opinion that I had, and like so people will either have like an opinion or an observation, and then like nothing about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, isn't isn't Donald Trump an asshole? It's like yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like the observation there would just be like, isn't house music just the worst? Yeah. But like the. the yeah, there's you need specificity and you need it to be funny in some way. So yeah, which is the hard part. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess on my end, I, I went to a coffee con while you were doing that, which was interesting. Like, uh, uh, some friends of ours, basically Matt and Kelly, uh, invited us to it, or there were tickets on sale. And like, I like coffee. I'll check yeah. it out. And it, it like there's so much like really 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 good coffee. But like, it's funny how the culture of that is like. So the way they see the world is not how you and I see the world. Like, like you, please explain. You'd I'm, be, I'm so interested. You'd, I'm like, yes. you'd be one of those people who'd go there and like you wouldn't be able to do anything. Like you, because if you don't, like if you can't drink coffee black, there's just nothing for you except for like one thing that was like butter uh, coffee. So they like, it's like treated with like grass fed butter so it's it's good it's just weird yeah uh but and everything else is like really really good coffee but like like you don't there's no coffee machines or anything like none of these people use coffee machines like it's all pour overs and it's all like like there's some talk about like really really high-end like many hundreds of dollar machines but like like there were panels too so educational panels on how to make the best coffee <laughs> and you know i learned some things from this about like, got, you like know, tweaks dad temperature right <laughs> but like like so the guy leading this panel or the, on the future of coffee just the way he's talking of yes the future <laughs> the future of coffee <laughs> right like i'm oh, like shit. i didn't realize it much had changed like, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll go with it. Yeah. So I'm there, and he's talking about it, and he's 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 talking about the problems yeah. in coffee culture, and one of them was he's like sometimes I'll go into these these roasteries and these coffee shops where they have these fantastic beans that have been you know grown all around the world, and somebody will buy a bunch of it, and I'll just look at it going out the door and think this is somebody who's not going to prepare it properly, and they're not going to or they'll they'll be at the wrong temperature or they'll over they're they'll over um expose it and this is a major problem i think i'm like okay so so on if this, he likes the coffee who gives a shit right right i'm like on the scale of problems <laughs> somebody else not enjoying their coffee 
People in Michigan don't have water. Right. Right. Somebody else not preparing the coffee the way that you like it. (laughs) The way that you like it might might not be the highest level issue, but but that's the fascinating thing about this. He's like now, like everybody here, I'm sure understands all of this and why this is important, how great it is, and, and how. It was a good thing you didn't invite me. I'd be like, I have no idea. He's, he's like, like I'm sure at least that everybody here measures their coffee. And, and like, nope, even not in at our all. Group, it's like, like I, I, I try to, but then like I get kind of an idea of like, okay, this is about the amount that coffee beans I want, amount of water. Like I know that this line means this. And I can fill up to the 10 on here, and that'll be okay. And, <laughs> but, like, you know, it's like, all, all these people are like, no, you have to measure very, very carefully about, like, grams to milliliters and all that. And uh, and then also, like, they're talking, the argument in the future of coffee making. <laughs> so, so the main argument, right, is whether manual pour-over is still the best way or whether machines can be just as good and match that if they're well built. Pour it? Well, yeah, pour over. So it, it, it. Oh, I thought you meant just like literally pour it into the cup. No, no. So, like, what? It, I was like, Jesus. Have you ever had a pour over coffee? No, I've never had So, that. like, this is every single one there is a pour over, right? Okay. Because the idea is that you have the beans, you grind them to your level of satisfaction. So, like, Reba and I actually have a grinder, and it has 18 different settings of, you know, coarse to fine. Sure. So, like, depending on the bean, you want to grind it to a certain coarseness. And then, also, depending on the bean, you want a certain temperature. So, like, while you're grinding it, you have water in a pot on, like, basically, like, a hot plate heating that up sure. to a certain temperature. So, like, most coffee makers only go to 180. But, like, ideally, actually, coffee is best brewed between 195 and 200 degrees Fahrenheit. And it, sometimes it varies a little bit, but, like, generally, that's the sweet spot. Sure. Uh, so, you're... You're heating water to 195 degrees or so. You're grinding coffee like this, and then you uh, you with this you have like this little glass thing. You put a filter in it, and you pour the coffee on top, and then you just pour, start pouring the really hot water on top of it a little bit of a time, so like it settles, and then you agitate it with a little bit more after you part of it's filled up, and that slowly seeps through the filter into the cup, and you can make maybe two cups of coffee that way, but it's really good coffee. Mm. anyway the idea is like that way you don't have to worry about machines that like in in the case of ours you know there's a grinder but it only has one setting on how much what it grinds to so if you want coarser or finer you don't really have an option Mm. and like it only heats it to a certain temperature so you can choose your temperature you can you know exactly when it's done you can choose the drip amount and all that you can make the perfect cup of coffee because it's all manual Mm. so so there's those and then there's another guy representing the like more advanced machines now where you can input the exact uh, temperature you want, or you can simulate the agitation that you do on there, mm. or you can uh, choose what coarseness to grind to, like, all in one machine. And, like, his opinion being like, no, the other stuff, like, that's that's going to go away because machines can do it more consistently. A person's never going to make the exact same cup of coffee. They can keep trying, but there are always going to be little differences depending on how they did that, whereas my machine, if I get it perfect, will do the exact same thing every time. So it's just an argument between whether which one's better and uh, whether there's an art to the manual cup of coffee and the pour over and all that. <laughs> so like it's really crazy like mix of the culture versus technology. But but then even then at one point they go like, yeah, well, I mean we can all agree at least that most people with their coffee makers, you know, or people make bad coffee. Those like god forbid somebody has like a little Cuisinart coffee maker and like meanwhile ours is like Cuisinart like almost everybody who has a machine which is fucking everybody who drinks coffee really right. because no not everybody wakes up extra early to make a special pour over cup of coffee for themselves <laughs> like wait do you have anything to do yeah and nobody's spending like 300 to 400 dollars or whatever on these crazy coffee machines with all the settings unless they're a coffee shop. You got bills and shit, motherfucker. Right. So like, we don't spew bullshit at seminars for our living. Yeah, it's so it's just hilarious <laughs> to like have it be like, oh, God forbid these people use the highest, <laughs> higher end, like, regular consumer coffee makers. I just make see this coffee. guy, and I've even seen hipsters being like, wow, this is a pretentious prick. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, and, like really, they didn't talk about the future of coffee at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was a very fascinating thing to me, but 
But like, <laughs> so it was, it's really, it was fun to go into that. And like with people, you know, with a crowd, like me and Reba and Matt and Kelly, who all really like coffee and, and like all can drink it black and all that. But like, are nowhere near as hardcore as a lot of no. these people. Good lord. So it's, it's a crazy insight into a culture I barely knew existed. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. Got a lot of really great God, I want to start looking up crazy cultures now. Yeah, like, I'm I imagine around pretty much anything. Yeah. But, yeah, like... That's it did, so good. It did make me want to, like, be able to get, like, a hot plate and, like, an official pour-over set or, like, a cool pour-over set so I could just, like do that every once in a while and be like i just want a really good cup of coffee but but yeah i, I haven't done that and most of the time i'm not gonna do that yeah it's impractical yeah it's just like fucking like i'm half asleep yeah yeah <laughs> that's another point that generally when you're making the coffee you're not in the most alert state yeah you need that <laughs> it's it's my my coffee consumption is mostly medicinal really yeah <laughs> but but it's it was it was definitely interesting and right. uh, kind of fun to check out. Got to try a lot of great coffees. That's uh, cool. Yeah, see some cool technology. Like there is this this cool thing Matt bought, and like I might pick up online at some point where it's like basically a portable, full coffee making thing. That's like, but it's like for pour over. So it's it looks like a little, like a thermos. Thermos. Basically. And, but you can grind the coffee ground, coffee beans in the thing. You can pour it over. It has a. It, it, you, I think you'd still need hot water separately, which might be difficult because right. it's not like most places just have a hot plate with temperature <laughs> settings just lying around. But it, it's kind of cool. I so want to see that guy walk into a Starbucks. That yeah. would make my day. Yeah, can I just buy the beans and make it in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> But that's another thing with this place. If anybody mentioned Starbucks at one of those things, it's like, oh, God. Everyone, even in the crowd, is like, oh, Starbucks. Like, you know, they make shitty coffee and they ruin the, the mainstream thing. And it's it's very, it's very fun. <laughs> like, yeah. Very kind of pretentious. But uh, no. also. <laughs> you, from expert from a, coffee, coffee drinkers? Right? No way. No. But at the same time, I look at that a little bit where I'm like, you know, I'll write criticism and I look at movies and stuff and I realize that, you know, determining what makes a good and a bad movie is also not very important, <laughs> but, but I care about it. So some of these people, they just really care about that. Yeah, that's fair. And they really care about what other people drink, apparently, <laughs> which is what was interesting to me. But yeah, I don't know, you want to jump into... The stuff we were gonna talk. Oh about yeah, we're getting cutting TV. edge, man. We're going. We're we're talking about some real shit. Yeah, we had real life stuff in this episode, but now we're moving on to fantasy, <laughs> leaving behind the real world problems like coffee preparation and stand moving, up. Moving into racist uh, stand up comics. Yeah, moving into uh, fantasy with the X Files first. So we're three episodes into this miniseries you've just seen one right yeah i just saw bits and pieces of that one episode (laughs) and i was really high i was gonna say did you see bits and pieces or were you just high and you only remember bits and pieces (laughs) well tomato tomato really (laughs) at this point yeah but uh, (laughs) fair enough but uh, so what do you remember this episode i remember that the the costume on the monster is horrendous yeah and um i was like jesus christ this is like an ed wood movie yeah uh and seeing Mulder, pretty much Hank Moody, if Hank Moody was so sober. Now that's that's David Duchovny <laughs> uh-huh. in his suit. Yeah, <laughs> like well, and it's Mulder, really. <laughs> huh? And that's kind of what Mulder was too, right? No, he's Hank Moody, a sober saying, Hank Moody. Yeah, I, I'm more of a Californication guy than uh-huh. Hank Files guy. So for you, he's a he's sober Hank Moody. Hank Moody. For me, he's just Mulder. Oh, <laughs> he's always fucking... been Mulder. <laughs> well, there's there, and that's yeah. my critique. That's it. <laughs> That's all you I got. Very little to say. On That's that all one. I got. Yeah. I figured we need to at least touch on it because you know it was kind of I guess cool to see the credits because <laughs> I was never. That's your biggest most yeah. positive thing is the credits. That I was, was never cool. a big fan of okay. the X Files, really, to tell you the truth. Yeah, you might. That might be one. You but should... it was cool to see this. Like it was just nostalgia. Yeah, you know, that... I remember. See, I remember because my parents loved that show when yeah. I was a kid. I think both our parents loved that show. Yeah, when we were kids. I loved it as a and kid you too. You yeah. loved that as everybody loved that as a kid. I, I remember the X Files. Yeah. My sister loved it. Everybody yeah. loved it. Yeah, I got out of it around like the first movie. Yeah. I was like, I'm done with this. Fuck bees. 
like seriously so i was like i'm over this and then david duchovny came out with playing god which is a rad movie oh yeah i was like make movies molder get abducted by well, aliens then he left a let couple the, years later let the t-1000 take your job <laughs> most people weren't happy about that <laughs> robert patrick coming in in his place yeah but yeah so this this is the only episode i've really liked of the reboot actually oh, really? the first two like <laughs> mythology one was just like they were trying to do too much too fast and that nothing really gelled and like it felt too easy for him too like in the original series it was so hard to learn anything about any of this conspiracy and they had to, and in this one it's basically like the joel McHale playing a glenn beck like character and just being like hey Mulder, I, i've been looking into all the conspiracy stuff that you used to do and then him and scully going and finding out that there, the aliens well there were aliens but it's not really about the aliens anymore like the government used their technology so all the cover-up stuff in the original series it was really the government the whole time all the time and but they're using ships made from alien technology and they're gonna stage an invasion and all that but it was just like they just Mulder is just like traipsing in all these places that are like hey look it's like an alien spaceship that they made and it turned invisible and it's like before it was you know you had to really search for things yeah. and it was just weak and never had a hook mm. the second episode how did david come to get back but, oh um he he was back by the end of the series kind of none of it really makes that much sense because yeah. like the end of the series i think they're kind of on the run or they're kind of fugitives and i never saw the second movie which might help explain some of it mm. but uh i I think they kind of got cleared and started working again. And in this, they go back to the FBI, but it's all just, like, really fast. Yeah. So I don't know why they're working other cases or anything. They're well, just kind of there. They probably had to just because it's only six episodes. Right, so. yeah. And that's that's part of it. But I almost wish that they just, like, kind of done standalone stuff all the way through. Because, like, the second episode is sort of standalone, where but it's sort of mythology where it's, it's about, like, a mutation that... Uh, is happening with people who are abducted or people who are sort of like have hybrid DNA now. And, and, but then they basically are like developing superpowers and that's kind of dumb. And then like it, it's trying to flesh out the backstory of Mulder and Scully and what happened to their child after the end of the series. But like it... Oh, they had a child? Yeah, oh, kind, yeah. Of, kind, kind of. Kind of? It's it's all very strange. Oh. But, yeah, they kind of had a kid. Or was she not sure it was Mulder's? Is that well, it was why? like a part alien baby It was thing. like a Mori and... episode or something? Like... <laughs> yeah, an alien baby. <laughs> alien made by baby. But, uh, it, so it, they, like, kind of cover that in flashback, which is sort of interesting that they did it, but it didn't feel like it fit with the rest of the episode. It was just, meh. But mm-hmm. this one, this was a episode written by Darren Morgan, who, I don't know if you remember many episodes at all of the original series, he did uh, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, which is about a guy who can see how people die. He did one called uh, Jose Chunks from Outer Space, which was like a parody of the whole concept of the X-Files, basically, an alien abduction. He did one called uh, War of the Coprophages, which is about uh, it, Mulder believes he's uh, chasing down a case of like evil alien cockroaches. <laughs> and another one uh, called Humbug, which is about like a uh, town of former like circus sideshow people freaks and stuff i think i saw that one. yeah he he's one well he is the best writer they ever had and yeah. but like most of his episodes were like comedies like mm-hmm. they're they're playing on concepts of the x-files but they're more poking fun at it and like so like this this episode that you saw yes the monster costume is horrible yeah. but it's intentionally horrible okay like it, it's it's about Mulder being disillusioned with the whole thing and realizing, you know, in the internet age and being able to so easily research what was going around, how many of the things he investigated and believed in back in the day were just hoaxes or stupid shit. So, like, him feeling like maybe there was nothing in the first place. And then this story, or this attack, or the one you see at the beginning with the people huffing paint and stuff, and Scully trying to get back into him, like, you know, oh, they described a giant humanoid reptilian figure that attacked these people, and Mulder, Mulder now being, like, the skeptical one and not believing right. anything but then slowly come to terms coming to terms with it and i don't know you it doesn't sound like you got what the twist was midway through right or you weren't paying enough attention yeah. to really know. but the idea was that this guy who throughout most of the episodes like well he may or may not be telling the truth this might all be horse shit but uh he's played by reese darby from fly the concords murray and he's he's a monster that was bit 
by a person who turned who basically like a were human. So like he got bit and he st- became a human during the day. So like at night he's a monster, but during the day he's a human, but he's naturally a monster. So like during the day he has all these impulses like to get a job and to try to like <laughs> get a 401k and uh, like he has to drink coffee and like and he, yeah so like it's more about humanity and the human experience and like the shit that we do and he's miserable <laughs> like he wants to die and just or because he just wants to be a monster again and he's tired of it and uh but yeah like so it's about Mulder reawakening to it and like believing again it, even in something that's totally fucking stupid and but then it's also about kind of the mundanity of humanity and how that's worse than like creep being a creature it's a cool episode like it's mm. i liked it but yeah it, it, you wouldn't get that from just like watching little bits and pieces no, smoking too much weed <laughs> so uh getting into the movies or uh what the first one i had down was sisters we've both seen now mm. were you high during sisters <laughs> yes absolutely okay. but they probably was okay during that movie it was great that was probably that probably improved that the, movie yeah the dorky dude that tells all the bad yeah. jokes is my favorite he he was funny <laughs> well and then he gets high everybody duck quack quack <laughs> like no but uh <laughs> at the end where he's just like he comes out of the closet he just goes well, I'm pretty sure I ate my credit card, so I'm going to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, as a whole, you enjoyed that movie, you think? Yeah. I, I, did. I did, too. I It wasn't, like, a masterpiece or anything. Sure. It's not, like, one of the best comedies I've ever seen. But it was fun. The, yeah, the, the premise was a little ridiculous. Like, yeah. It was like, we don't want to lose our home, and then, like, they had the most cliche right. message ever. Home is where you are with family or whatever. Pretty much, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, not material. But John Leguizamo was pretty funny, and when the yeah. pool collapses, he goes, "Okay, your first instinct is going to want to be to take a nap and deal with it tomorrow. Don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and John Cena was pretty funny. John Cena, John Cena, oh fucking good. He was, uh-huh. he's fucking hilarious, man. He's fucking hilarious in Trainwreck. Um, yeah, yeah, he was. He was great in that. <laughs> yeah, like, God, I forgot that was him in that. Like, I mean, he keeps playing the same role where he's just like this giant, massive. Well, yeah, I mean, but like that's you kind of have you to. Have to remark on when that. you're that big. Like, yeah, when you're a fucking cartoon, John Cena's a cart, a yeah. living cartoon. Yeah, but he, he, you're right. He's really funny in both yeah. of those. You should get more, more comedy work. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are always funny. Yeah. Tina Fey so frequently plays kind of a straight woman. That's fun to see her being kind of the live wire. I was kind of interested. Yeah, I was very... Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how like how good she was in that. Because yeah. like, maybe I'm just so used to her being the straight person. Yeah. Like it, it was weird. It was kind of... It took, it took a, like about half the movie to even get used to yeah. it. Yeah. In all honesty, yeah, it probably would have worked if they were role reversed. Yeah. Or Amy Poehler and her. But... It, but they did that with Baby Mama. Yeah, and, like, and I, like, I... I they probably... It yeah, was cool like, to see them yeah. try something different. Exactly. I, I appreciate... I mean, definitely, I would... I definitely appreciate the effort and the, the risk. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But it, it may have... I mean, and who knows? Maybe it, maybe it worked just fine or just as much. Because in all fairness, those characters weren't really the funniest. Like, the, No. Because the... Like, those... In that movie, the fucking like recurring character like yeah. the smaller characters were great yeah that movie like the first I don't know half hour to 40 minutes probably about half hour is a little slow and it's partially because of that because they're just establishing the characters and they're not that complicated or interesting like you you know the types you know what they're sure. gonna be but once it gets to the party like I think pretty much the party beginning to end is really entertaining yeah. and funny and, for sure yeah it just starts out just like so shitty. Yeah, and yeah. Mundane and just like. And they filmed a lot of it in order, or at least the party, so that the house, that way the continuity of track in the house is just getting more, more, more and more beat to shit. So Man. like by the end of it, it really is just a horrible, horrible mess. And <laughs> it, it, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I did too. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, you weren't expecting much then. I wasn't. Yeah. I saw it at, like, that cheapy theater for, like, three bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, why not? Like, yeah, I was like, this was the only thing really playing, so mm-hmm. I'd already seen Spectre, so. Yeah, so what do you, that's another one you probably went with kind of low expectations. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Spectre? Casino Royale is the best yeah. that I've seen so far. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
I mean, it's even with Skyfall. Yeah. Uh, I was a little bummed out that Christian, Christoph Waltz really isn't in it all that much. Yeah. He's... Um, yeah, I... A lot of people really didn't like Spectre. Mm-hmm. And, like, I... I prefer Skyfall. Like, I really like Skyfall. And I think it's a... I think it's a really well-executed movie pretty much beginning to end. But... Yeah. I don't think Spectre's as bad as people are saying it is. Yeah, either. it wasn't awful. I mean, I didn't hate seeing it. Yeah. But. Like... There are a lot of there are a lot of logical things that are kind of hard to get over, like like the idea that Christoph Waltz was just uh, basically pulling the strings through all the other Daniel Craig movies. Right. Where it's like, no, that doesn't really add up. And right. and there's also like, like because they didn't even explain how or why. Yeah. Or I mean, they might have explained why, but it was like he it was oh yeah because he was his half brother or so it was like a jealousy Sorta. thing or whatever. Kind yeah, like, yeah. It, it's not very clear at all what yeah. his goals are. Like, he wants to take over, obviously, with, like, the security state stuff at the end. Yeah. But you don't know what he's going to do with that. It's just like, well, that's a big thing in the public consciousness right now. And the big thing was, that, like, he blew up the already destroyed building. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that, already... was, that was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like, that's, I don't know what that accomplished, I yeah. guess. It was distracting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was kind of weird. Um, but it, also, so you, you haven't seen most of the other Bond movies, right? Or most of the earlier Bond movies. I've seen All But Die Another Day from Pierce Brosnan. Right, but you've I've, not like many of the Connery or I've more seen, films. I've seen... I may have seen one as a kid, but yeah. no, not really. So, like, what did... When when he uh, says the thing about how his name is no longer whatever it was, and he's like, now my name is Ernst Blofeld, what did that... That didn't mean anything to you, right? No. And it... that So that's, like, that's the reveal to me that's like, why is this in the movie? Hmm. Because the point is that Blofeld, in the original Bond movies, is, like, the biggest Bond villain he's the oh. head of specter he's like the one pulling the strings through all the movies he's like the shadowy figure until uh you only live twice and then he shows like he shows up in several bond movies he's like the biggest recurring villain so like it's supposed to be a big deal like oh man it's blofeld but like it's a reboot kind of with the continuity anyway and and in the movie so like in the context of that movie it's meaningless like him <laughs> changing his name has no purpose at all it's just that he changed his name and then like the cat jumps up around that point too and you're like oh shit it's the persian cat from the original movies that blofeld always had but again it's like is blofeld who like dr evil yeah dr evil is heavily based on blofeld yeah so it's it's like okay i I get that they wanted to bring him back but it it doesn't matter it doesn't look anything like him it doesn't look in but like that's another weird thing with blofeld is in almost every bond movie he appeared in he was recast yeah. So it's never the same guy playing him, and sometimes he looks radically different. So <laughs> I I have a problem with that just based on how they fucked it up in the first place. But it, yeah, I, I just I don't get the point of the reveal other than to be like, oh, Blofeld was in this movie. It's like, well, no, a different character was in this movie, and then you just called him Blofeld. <laughs> like that doesn't mean anything. But also, I thought it was funny that uh, Monica Bellucci's character. Isn't it briefly? And she's like in grave danger. And at one point he's like, "Oh, I'll be right. Ba- I'll be back." And then he never returns. Never does anything. So, so she doesn't die. <laughs> she doesn't do anything. I mean, she probably died. Like I, I, I want but, there to. But be... in all fairness, what's on screen is he nails her and leaves. Yeah, I want there to be like a late movie scene where it's like, "Oh yeah, she's dead." And it's like, "Oh shit, I forgot." Yeah, it was like <laughs> a new a newspaper article. Nothing. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't, I don't feel like the main romance that movie played well at all. Yeah, the Bond girl was a little weak. Yeah, like, I, I don't think she was bad necessarily. I think it was poorly... Like, they think, they position him like a father figure. Yeah. That she's like... She has issues with her own father, who was a spy, and it was like he was the guy at the very yeah. end of Casino Royale who he shot in the leg, Mr. White. Like, remember, the very, very end of... Uh, after Vesper's dead... He get, he checks her phone and he finds the thing and he like traces it back and goes to that like mansion and oh, okay. shoots Kinda. the guy. That's the guy who's her father. Ah. but uh, but then like so her her conflict is that she she doesn't want to be that person. She doesn't want to get into this violent world and like she calls him an assassin all the time, not a spy. Uh, and her father was an assassin. So like she 
that's her conflict with Bond is her conflict with her father, that he represents her dad, and then it just kind of turns into that she's just, she wants to bang James Bond. And it, it doesn't feel like that's the right progression for her character. And it feels weird for Bond, too, to leave because of her after, like, his progression being set up in Casino Royale where he tried to leave and then Vesper died. And, uh, like, I don't know. That character arc, or that whole resolution at the end where he just leaves felt totally dishonest. The relationship didn't work. Just wasn't into that. Yeah. Well, then, like, and the, the one thing is, like, you could tell that they didn't know if Daniel Craig is coming back or not. Yeah. They left it open-ended, but kind of ended. Like, yeah, I, I think it's a really shitty end, if that is it. Like, even though, yeah, it's like, oh, Bond rode off into the sunset, he's done. Right. But that was a dumb way to wrap that up. I, but, like, I just talked bad on it all this time, too, though. And, like, I generally enjoyed the movie. Like, moment yeah. to moment, I thought it was entertaining. I thought okay. that Mexico sequence was brilliantly done. Oh, the helicopter? It ju- uh, yeah, the helicopter. Yeah, was, I was getting sick in that yeah. part. I was like, oh, oh. Well, did you... Did you Fuck helicopters. Do you I'm notice the one work. really long shot? Or I guess it was multiple shots, but they faked it into one. Where, like, it's the first shot of the movie. It's in this crowd, and you see this guy walk by, and you can tell from costuming... Like, he stands out enough that you're focused on him, and then Bond's going through, and it follows him through the streets, and it follows him into the hotel room, up the stairs, they go into the room, start making out, and Bond tells her, or, like, he stops her, and then, like, goes out the window, over the rooftops, to the other thing, and all that's one shot. Yeah. Or all of it appears as one shot, where it's, like, through the streets, through all that, and I'm like, damn, that's an impressive scene. It's, like, it's a really good use of, like, color to grab your attention, and Mm -hmm. when, like... Even in a huge crowd of people, it's very clear what you're supposed to be looking at, and like mm. it's not, it's not something that you're consciously thinking about, but it works so well. And right. it's like visually, I thought that was an incredible sequence. But in terms of story, they had some issues. And part of remember the Sony leaks last year? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the documents were around Spectre, or oh, there, and a lot of them were producers being like, "This script is a fucking mess." And, yeah. like, some of it's resolved, but a lot of it wasn't. A lot of their complaints still made it to the movie. And it's like, oh, yeah, they were kind of right about that. <laughs> In this case, the producers knew what they were talking about. Right. But, yeah. So Speaking kind of, of leaked scripts. Yeah, or leaks. Uh, leaks. Next one we had to talk about was Hateful Eight. You yeah. finally saw the Hateful Eight. Yeah. And I hated it. You hated it. You hated, hated the Hateful Eight. I hated it nine. I hated nine. Wow. So... <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, it was boring as shit. You thought it was boring? I was bored okay. the whole time. So, it's definitely not a movie to wa- smoke weed to. No, probably not. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna watch it again sober. You probably should. And that's uh, gonna be a bum. Like that's already one strike. Uh huh. So the movie can only get a five at tops. Because if, if I can't watch it high, then fuck you. Then you lose half the scale. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> you just cut it off. That's half of my that, movie. I feel like that eliminates critique. a lot of movies, though. It does. It does have it, you been watching like all the Oscar ones high? I <laughs> uh, watched Room High, uh, but, and you loved that. Yeah. Okay, so that one that passed the test somehow. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Because that movie would probably generally not, but like a good movie is a good movie. I just like being high. <laughs> All right, you know what I mean. So hateful eight. You I mean, great. It's like I mean, there is like movies like No Holds Barred with yeah, Hulk Hogan that only you need enjoyable to be high. because you're high. But mm-hmm. a good movie is a good movie, and Room is a good movie. Cool. I really want to see that one. No, still haven't. Uh, so hateful eight. You thought it was boring. Was that really your like main complaint, or was one there one of the main? Uh, my main complaint is that the most of the movie is character backstory. And none of the characters are really that great. Uh, see, I liked the characters. Quite see, I didn't a bit. like. I mean, Hangman was kind of cool. Hangman was interesting. I thought Samuel L. Jackson's character was great. See, I was like, he just, he just lies about an Abraham Lincoln fucking letter. But like, like that's retarded. I love that though. Really? I love the way like that plays on race relations, mm. and specifically the way that the Hangman reacts to him and their relationship once right? he realizes that because that. Uh, like it's it's. It, it's all about how, like, the black experience in America, or at least, like, especially at the time, but, like, even kind of to today, sure. like, a lot of black culture is just, like, ignored or derided by white people, mm-hmm. unless it has, like, some connection somehow to white culture. Mm-hmm. So, like, there, the only reason he's recognized and respected by so many people is because 
it, like the president sent him a letter so it's like oh well if the president likes this guy then he's okay so like mm-hmm. the whole way through or at least a lot of the way through we don't see the hangman as like a racist really because like he's defending that he's he's smacking for Jason Lee for using the n-word and stuff right but like as soon as he as soon as uh that comes out he's like I guess the what they say about you people you know not being able to trust what you say is true so it's like yeah he's a racist but like he's the letter had exactly its effect on him mm-hmm. and I I like that idea a lot that it was fake like I think mm-hmm. that's the most interesting part of that and apparently in the earlier version of the script it wasn't is a real letter but I think that says a lot more about uh, the way that people act <laughs> with around black people that than if it were a real letter. Like the idea that he would have to lie about this to get respect and be able to do his job. Mm. But I don't know. I like that character a lot. Um, so one of the things that this movie gets direct, or that a lot of people had a problem with anyway, that found, they found it problematic was Jennifer Jason Lee's character being just beat up all the way through or people punch her in the face all the time and it, do you feel that's like because obviously the characters are being misogynistic in a lot of it sure but like do you feel like that is a misogynistic action on the film do you think it has a message or is it just that she's a bad person and all these people do terrible things well, to each other well in all fairness she's the, probably the closest thing to a villain yeah the... she is the villain yeah so yeah like yeah I, I'm kind of along with that, where I'm like, you know what, violence, these are, this is a really violent movie. Yeah. All sorts of people die and get beat up in horrible ways. I don't think, I think it's more equal opportunity than anything. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> like, it's what, that they how, don't consider how... her, like, a woman, it's that they consider her, like, this monster and this criminal. Yeah. Which, like, she kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, and then, here's the question that I have for those people. It's like, so how, how should we react to them? Because, yeah, like, it, if they just treated her, like, really softly... Like a delicate it, flower it that she is? It would have felt kind of out of place in that movie. Yeah, she says she says the word nigger more than anybody in that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. She's not a fucking delicate flower that, right. like, is... She's spitting on... She, she she's like, killed people! Yeah, like, yeah. If you're gonna try to have me killed, or like, what, uh, what, should I check with somebody? Can I put her in a headlock now? Like... <laughs> In the context of the movie, I don't think there's... I don't think... I th- I feel like it's a little overblown that people are that upset. And yeah. yeah, like... like that's, I, over, and, that's overly sensitive, where you're not even thinking. <laughs> yeah, or it's just... It's, like, that's it's just, what, like, put it, yourself in that situation. It's ignoring context, yeah. is the thing. And there's a lot of context in this movie. And, and, like, and a lot with theme, too. It's just... It, the movie's called The Hateful Eight. Right. Like, that was another thing about it that a lot of people hated... Or not hated, but a lot of people complained about. They're like, it's just such a cruel movie, or the characters are so mean. And it's like, it's yeah. called the Hateful Eight. Right? <laughs> They're You're not bad supposed people. to like them. None of them are good people. Also, so one thing I wanted to ask you: um, Who did you consider to be the Hateful Eight? Because there are actually more characters than that. Yeah. There. So you got Kurt Russell, Samuel yeah. Jackson. Yep. Uh, Walter Goggins, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Dern. So you do you're considering him because he wasn't actually part of the. He was not. Yeah, he was just a guy who was there. He was just a guy. Okay, so Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen probably was. Shannon Tatum. Yeah. Well, do you consider Channing Tatum then? Okay. I mean, I so, guess. So let's say let's say Bruce Dern counts right and Channing Tatum in that case since yeah. he's still down there, and uh, then you've also got um, the Mexican Senior Bob. Senior Bob. And yeah. then you've got. Um, Oh, and you've got Tim Roth. Oh yeah, Tim Roth. Tim Roth. I about Tim Roth. And then you've got the driver, and then you've. Uh, oh God, I think we're we're still missing people, because um, yeah, I I hadn't really considered Shank Tatum. I think I was still getting like nine people. It's weird like that, because yeah, okay, so so why would Tim you, Roth? Why would Bruce you Stern, Shannon Tatum? Then? He just wasn't a real character in the movie for the most part he just gets shot and he's in the flashback but a lot of people are in the flashback i guess right so yeah i mean now that matters at all i just thought it was interesting that's movie with more characters than that but they right. call it the hateful eight i mean i'm I not see sure who I the s- eight are supposed to be right but it's okay right. i think i like the title and it, like part of that is like to tarantino it would be like oh it's just a good title yeah because right. <laughs> i mean i can see where you're going with bruce Dern, but at least you know shannon tatum which 
I mean, I guess because the only connection Bruce Dern had with anybody is because Samuel Jackson at least says he killed his son and mm-hmm. made him suck his dick. Yeah. For some reason. That was a weird segment. <laughs> so you didn't like that one? That was just weird. It, it was a weird little story, but yeah. I, I kind of like the theatricality of it and all that. Mm. And and I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing about this movie. There are a lot of things that I enjoyed on their own in it, but I don't think it all came together in a very good way. Like, yeah. it... It you could it's another movie like there have been too many this year where I feel like you could have cut like a significant amount out of it and you'd still have the same story like right. it wouldn't actually impact that much right and and like even even that whole scene that scene has nothing like Bruce Dern's character the only reason he exists in the screenplay is so that Samuel Jackson can get that monologue mm. it has nothing to do with that move of the movie otherwise yeah because it. Like, you could literally write him out and write that monologue out, and the only thing you'd have to replace it with is a distraction so the uh, coffee could get poisoned. Right. Oh, yeah. That's the only purpose it actually serves. It has nothing to do with the main story. It's just a thing where Quentin Tarantino was like, this is a badass monologue for Samuel Jackson, so let's throw it into the movie. Right. And we're going to go Ezekiel 25, 17, right. just with some dick sucking. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, that's, that's how I feel about the movie. It's it, even for Tarantino, who's kind of an indulgent filmmaker anyway. Like usually that's what I love about him is mm-hmm. that like he does these crazy things and has these moments that live on their own, but like it, they're all really smart and they're like his, he has such a natural uh, eye and ear for, you know, visuals and dialogue and how that, and for structure, like he just knows how things should stick together without thinking, overthinking it. Mm. And here, I feel like he did just like kind of go overboard with just throwing in the things that the little moments and the scenes that he thought would be really cool without like considering their impact on the whole. Because mm. like even even that flashback sequence is completely unnecessary in the movie. Yeah. You could remove it, and you get everything that's relevant out of that in the first couple sentences of dialogue in the final act. Yeah, that they were all there that uh, Channing Tatum was her brother. All of that, that's really all that's established in the scene before, that they came there and they took over. But yeah, it you know, that's like another 15 to 20 minutes of movie that is kind of unnecessary. And, and it's a long movie. It's yeah. almost three hours long. And it, so, I don't know. Like, it, it's really indulgent. There are a lot of moments I love, but it's probably my least favorite Tarantino movie, too. Yeah. And you, you consider, definitely it was. Yeah, I was falling in and out of attention like it was boring me it was boring me yeah i was bored yeah i've never been bored in a tarantino film there was a little bit of a lull where i i also got kind of bored after they arrived at the haberdashery mm-hmm. like right at or pretty soon after because they spend so much time like you know trying to get around to each character which is is important in theory like you want to set these people up and like define them sure but then like not much comes out of it like most of them just yeah. kind of die randomly anyway and um, like the only the only characters that really really stick are really the stagecoach characters, mm-hmm. and and like Tim Roth is good, but like he's basically good playing uh, Christopher Waltz, Christoph mm-hmm. Waltz basically. Like you could tell that role was written right. with Christoph Waltz in mind, and then they, they got Tim Roth, and they're like, hey, can you just do Christoph Waltz? He's off to Inspector right now, <laughs> but, but can you do that? I don't know. People are fine in it, or like generally acting is really good, but yeah, like right. Walton Goggins, I thought killed it. He Walter was, Goggins is just the shit. He's so good. And he doesn't get... Like, I assume he's going to get more and more uh, movie work now that he's done with Justified and he's been in two Tarantino movies. and Yeah. But I thought he was well, he was great. Awesome. He's great in Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah. He plays a tranny hooker. Yeah, I heard, I heard about that. fucking great. He's Justified in... With, like, a shield. southern accent and, like... And he always plays, like, kind of, kind of a southern asshole guy in some yeah. way. Like, uh, The Shield... Is, he's just awesome in that show. Yeah. Like by the end of it, especially like that last season, they really put him through the ringer. And Jesus. it's he has some really really good dramatic work. But uh, I, I'd love to see him in more stuff. He always brings it. Yeah. And Samuel Jackson, I thought was having so much fun in this role. Like especially that last scene where he's on the bed, he's had his balls blown off, and he's just laughing <laughs> at everything. He's great. Jennifer Jason Leigh, I thought was really good. As I was like, whatever with her. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of... I thought... Like, Chris Ru- I'm not Kurt Russell's real- just okay, I think. Yeah, Kurt Russell, too. But, like, that's just maybe just my own bias. It's just because I'm not really the biggest Kurt Russell fan. Or yeah. the biggest Jennifer Jason Lee fan. Yeah. So, yeah. 
That might have been part of it. Jennifer Jason Lee had a weirdly good year because she had that, and she was also uh, in Anomalisa. It's like I haven't seen anything with her in forever, and right. then she's in like two of she like, was the in, biggest movies of the year for me. She was a last time she was a big character in Weeds. She played Mary Louise Parker's sister. Yeah, so she was in okay. like the last like three seasons oh, of Weeds. So, like, that definitely helped her get a lot more work, for sure. Probably. Um, so, yeah, she, she was in that. And she was really good in that. She was a total bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so. Yeah. And I feel like Michael Madsen's getting by almost exclusively from Tarantino movies these that, days. Not true. Really? Not true. Like, I mean, if, you look at my, if you stuff. look at Michael Madsen's resume, that dude's done, like, 300 projects. Yeah, but a lot it's of them are, stupid. like, straight to video. Things. Hey, you get a paycheck. <laughs> you do get a <laughs> like, paycheck. Like fucking, and you get, and he'll he gets paid handsomely for that. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, I, I would assume he gets at least six figures from those straight to video yeah. DVDs. At That's least. true. He, pro- you're right. He probably so. makes a lot of money. It, I, I guess I mean just like it, his theatrical presence is oh, pretty sure. much Tarantino now. Yeah, and but like he's, I I always think he's like, I don't know, he's kind of a weirdly charismatic actor. Like he's kind of quiet, but like he has a presence to him yeah. when he's in it. I I think he's been good in all of Tarantino's movies. Right. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if there's much else to say with Hateful Eight. Like, I... Yeah. There's so many moments I liked, and uh, but just as a whole, I... You think I should watch it again? Because, like... I think you probably should. I think just because it's, it's Tarantino, out of respect. Yeah, watch it sober, because, like, okay. so much of Tarantino's... It, like, the draw to him is his dialogue and how sure. he writes characters. Yeah, and but it, Pulp it, Fiction's great stoned. Yeah, but Jackie Brown's great stone. Django's great stone. But you didn't see those the first time stone, right? Like I can't remember. Probably cause, not. Because like know. that, that's kind of the thing I think with a lot of those. Where like if you're high and watching movies, you can enjoy them if you have already seen them, no matter mm. what, because you have the basis of it. And you can just get into the smaller moments. Whereas if you're taking it in for the first time, it's probably a little different. Maybe. But I don't know. Well, I liked Room. Yeah, you liked Room. So and I was fucking high as shit. Yeah. That's but great. you so we had talked about Hateful Eight a few times before you saw it, or just in that me asking you if you'd seen it because I knew we'd talk about it on here. Sure. I tried not to belie anything about how I felt about it to you because I was curious. I was like, is Jason going to go in this and love this? Because most people who like Tarantino seem to have loved it anyway. Yeah. And, and like, I love Tarantino movies. Yeah. But like, it, I was like, eh. Like, it, they're great moments, but it should have been, should have been better. You think, you think, the fact that he got leaked kind of fucked with it. I don't think so. No, no, I don't. I don't think it would have been any better otherwise. No, I. I think that was just more him being really bitter about it. And, but that's like what. That well, kind of, I'm just saying. Do you think he changed a lot? I. I know the script's still out there, and from what I understand, there are changes, but not like yeah. most of the changes were for the better. Okay. So, I don't know. I I I guess now he's trying to stage set up as like a stage play. Which actually makes a lot of sense. I think yeah. you could, you'd have to rearrange some stuff, but you could definitely make that movie as a stage play. Absolutely, and it'd be pretty. It's in one room, most. Yeah, of it, you know? it'd probably be really good, actually. Yeah, but might even be better as a stage play than as a. All right. So that yeah. was that was yeah. it for our movie coverage. Was it? Yeah.